Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dan again here with another episode of The Casual Author. Uh, Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022, as I record this, and it is episode number 43 of the podcast. Today, I have the opportunity of chatting with author L. Blaze Hughes about emotional truths in books um, and becoming vulnerable as an author to deliver those emotional truths. It's a really fascinating conversation. Admittedly, it's something that I think frustrates me in books, but I hadn't noticed exactly. I wasn't able to pinpoint exactly what it was that was missing in books that don't address this. So really great conversation. You want to stick around for that. Before we get into that, updates from me. In terms of author updates, um, I feel like it's kind of like a broken record at this point. I've been working on Ascended for so long, but I'm still within that finishing range of it. So technically everything is done. I have uploaded everything to Amazon, KDP. I've got the pre-order file um, up more than a week early, which I'm pretty happy about. I did set it up for pre-orders. I talked about that last week, and that was only because I was confident that I would have everything completed. Now, I do have some feedback um, coming in from some ARC readers, which is great. It's been through the edit and the proofread. I don't think there's tons of little typos, but there are some. So that's why I appreciate the ARC readers and their help with that. But it's still a relief. I think if it were to publish at this point, even before that feedback, I would be pretty confident in it. Um, but of course, there are just like one or two little typos that slip through, but the ARC readers are catching those. So I appreciate that. Other than that, it really comes down to I need to address the audiobook situation. So that is the next step. Once I feel confident that it's all complete and finished, then I do want to figure out both the digit, the AI narrated audiobook, which I talked about about a month ago, but also determine if I do want to fund, you know, set up like a, a GoFundMe, not a GoFundMe, um, yeah, yeah, GoFundMe for an audiobook production or if I just want to do it myself. There's a lot of different options. I'm trying to decide. I've had so many requests to have an audiobook, which absolutely understand. Um, I go through phases where I just don't have time to sit down and read an ebook or a physical book and audiobook is a great option. Um, I've been wanting to do it for so long. I just need to figure out the best way cost and time wise to put that together. So I think that's going to be the next big objective. Um, I do want to start on writing some new projects, but yeah, I think the audiobook thing is kind of taking precedence of that. Other than that, I'm just trying to keep my website and everything up to date. I did order, um, well, I, I haven't yet. I will be ordering some physical books for Ascended, so hopefully I'll get those prior to the publish date of September 13th. Sometimes I can get them within a week, so we'll see. But if I can get those ordered in the next couple days, then um, I'll be able to have some signed copies, and I might even put those up ahead of time. So if you're looking for a signed copy, um, if you want to sign up for my email list, you'll you'll get a notification saying, hey, the, the signed book orders are up ahead of the the actual published date. So you may want to jump on that. So that, that could be exciting. Other than that, let's see. Um, 
Homestead life updates. Yeah, most things are still just plugging along. We are still having some trouble selling a couple of our baby goats. We think that the market's just a little bit saturated and it is a little late in the season for buying goats. So we may be stuck with these babies until next year. We'll see. They're good babies. Um, little kids, they're about, I want to say 15 weeks old now. But hoping we can sell them because we don't need another two goats to feed through the winter. Hay is not cheap, but uh, I think we've been able to make back most of that cost from selling their cousin goat kids. Well, and it's starting to cool down here, which is great. So we're getting even closer to picking some of our crops. Our tomatoes are blossoming. We've got lots of tomatoes. Our beans are finally coming in. And we picked one of the potatoes for the first time. And the potatoes actually grew pretty well. Go figure. We're in Idaho, right? But we've never grown potatoes before. So we were a little nervous that they would not actually um, produce very much and so far we my wife picked one a little early just to see if it was anything growing or if it was just the beautiful plant above and yeah there was a there's a little potato small potato but i think that if we leave them for a few more weeks that they'll get nice and big which is exciting so it's just great to see the crop it's it's great to see kind of the fruits of our labors you put so much work into the garden and the animals and everything and by the end of summer and fall it's, it's just great to see all of that. Uh, we spent most of our time this last week preparing to put the meat chickens outside. Right now, they're inside of our shop in this kind of like portable chicken shelter. Um, but, you know, with 50 chickens in there, it just <laughs> there's just a lot of chickens and they're getting big very quickly. So you can imagine putting that many chickens in a tight space. Um, it, it's not like that tight. I mean, they have plenty of room to run around. But once we put them out, we'll be splitting them into two separate structures so they have even more room to grow. So we did a lot of preparations. I did some, I had to mow down some of the weeds and, and put up the electric fence so that we're preparing to put them outside. It'd be nice to have them outside of the shop just from cleanliness perspective. But that's going to come fast. Uh, we'll be processing those chickens in a short five weeks. It's going to come so fast. And then, yeah, it'll be nice to have that stock again. Other than that, the cheese saga continues. We have been able to open up some of our aging cheeses, and they have all turned out incredible. Um, she's been, my wife has been testing with different types of cheeses. One's called Buter Quesa or Butter Case Cheese, and it is amazing. It's a, it's like the better form of mozzarella. It's a really good snacking melting cheese, and it turned out amazing. We'll be able to actually open up another cheddar, a four-week aged cheddar. Uh, I think next week. So we're pretty excited about that. It's just, it's just grateful to know that it's not coming out goatee and that it's an option so we can take advantage of having goats and put away some cheese for the winter um, when we won't be milking. So I'm just doing a lot of winter prep. So, hey, if, if worst case scenario, things go downhill, we'll, we'll have a stock of food. So we appreciate that. I think that's pretty much it for all of the updates. Uh, so yeah, we'll go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast. L. Blaze Hughes, or Lara, is a YA dystopian author. Hey, Lara, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? doing great i'm excited to talk to you today um we've been kind of connections on social media for a really long time now i think we both started on instagram and somehow we're drawn to tiktok um whether that's unfortunate or not i don't know but it's great to actually have a conversation with you uh in in person so to speak it's, it's really great to meet authors I always like to ask authors as we get started, just because I, I interview authors from all different um, places in their career. How long have you been writing and publishing? 
So I've been writing, uh, publishing for about 15 years now. Uh, and, you know, published a wide range of things. I've done some self-publishing and some publishing with small um, publishing companies and some with uh, some that I thought were going to be bigger companies that then went bankrupt. So it's, you know, it's been a journey, <laughs> but I'd say 15 years of some ups and downs and adventure either way. I've heard I've heard a number of authors who have kind of run into the situation where uh, the publishing house goes bankrupt or, or for whatever reason they get their rights back. So have all of the books that you've written over the past 15 years or the stories that you've written been published in other ways or do you have things that you published initially and you've you've had to pull for various reasons or maybe when the publishing house went bankrupt you you didn't republish that. Um so I had the first thing that I self-published was, I'm not even sure if it classifies as self-published. My parents printed it at like a local printing press and there are only okay. 20 copies in existence. Um, so, you know, it's very, <laughs> very rare. Uh, as for special the other edition. one. Yes, special edition. Though for the publisher that went bankrupt, I did end up publishing that book again because I'd already written the sequel. So I self-published both of those books. Um, and then I, I did some other ones, but. I have actually since changed my pen name, not because I'm so ashamed of what I did before, but I don't think it reflects me as an author now. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, doing all this work, 15 years of work, and, and I also recently got a, a master's degree in creative writing, I just, I don't want people to find what I write now and think, wow, what a great author. I, I love her stuff. I want to read more of it. And then go find something I wrote when I was 18 and be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> this isn't for so, me. It's like, uh, you know, I I felt like I wanted to allow myself to grow as an author. And in order to do that, I sort of rebranded myself and said, you know, this is this is me now. So yeah. the other stuff yeah. exists, but I don't. And it, it's a part of my story and my growth. And I don't hate it, but I also don't really do anything to advertise it. <laughs> I, that that makes sense. Kind of want to leave it out there, but nece- necessarily connect it to the the writer you are today. So the the pen name you go by now is L Blaze Hughes. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, I picked something gender neutral since I write uh, some science fiction mostly, and figured that most people don't want to picture the author, and it's harder to picture somebody if it's just a letter. It's like L Blaze Hughes. So I want people to focus on the characters uh, more than the author, except for in situations like this where. It's not about the specific book or the story. So it's, and it, it just worked out great. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I felt like maybe I wouldn't be able to feel like it was me, but it's been about three years now since I picked that pen name and I think it's stuck. So that's good. It's, you finally settled into <laughs> your true author. Pen name, <laughs> yes. Whatever that is. <laughs> Like you, you brought up something when we were talking about the the topic today. You brought up something that I think is really interesting. A lot of people don't think about when it comes to writing. Um, you were talking about so writing fiction, but probably you can do this with any book that you're writing. Um, you talked about emotional truth. So, it's, so explain what that means and why it's important in books from a reader perspective. All right. So, in classic author form, I'm going to answer your question with a story. Oh, I, love it. Uh, I was at the dentist not that long ago and the dentist asked me what I do. And so I said, I am an author. I write young adult fiction. And he says, oh, so you manipulate and sell lies to teens. And okay. I think he was mostly joking, but it kind of struck in and it kind of stung. <laughs> and I went home and I thought about it and I said, is that what I do is I manipulate, 
you know, I emotionally manipulate teenagers. And, and in a way, I guess I do, because I want the readers of my books to feel sad at certain times or to feel angry or to feel joyful. I, I want there to be emotional reactions to the things that I write, but it's not in, in a bad way. It's like, yeah, those things make me sad too. Those things make me happy too. And so I was like, you know, that's, that's a really unfair way to think about it is that I try to sell lies to teenagers. Also, most of my readers end up being adults anyway. <laughs> but I thought about how that's actually really important to me is kind of, you know, eliciting an emotional reaction in readers because I want what you're feeling to be true. Um, growing up, I really loved Harry Potter. And the line from all the books that stood out to me the most is um, when Dumbledore says, of course, this is all happening inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean it isn't real? And I think that is a really profound way to talk about fiction because the stories aren't happening, but what you feel is real. And I think that when when you have emotional truth in a story, it engenders empathy in readers and it reminds us that we aren't alone and that our feelings aren't exclusive to us. And so sometimes, I mean, some readers, when they're feeling sad or they're struggling with something like loss, maybe they have the the wherewithal to go pick up a, a therapy book or a self-help book or talk to a therapist about dealing with that. But some people just want an escape and they'll pick up a, a work of fiction. But through it, if the book has emotional truth, they can learn good coping techniques through the main characters. That's not in like a preachy in your face kind of way, but a more subtle instructional manual as they go through this adventure with a main character. Yeah, I mean, that makes absolute sense. It's something that a lot of people probably don't recognize when they're reading, particularly with fiction. I mean, we're not seeking fiction to to learn things necessarily. And if we learn things as we're reading it, great. But that's not why a lot of people read fiction. It's for that entertainment factor or for that connection factor. And so it's interesting because I think I, I've never thought about this before. But as you were describing the emotional truths, I can I won't name any books, but I can think of some books that I remember reading and just being like, this is weird. Like, I mean, it's entertaining. The story, the premise is amazing. I think the author has really beautiful prose, but it's just weird. And I think it kind of comes down to the kind of lack of emotional truth, kind of missing the trueness factor of the emotions, the way people react. If that doesn't jive with someone, then it can just feel disjointed and strange. So, I mean, as you were writing the books that you have, um, how did you... I guess, first of all, are you a plotter or are you, or are you a discovery writer or a pantser with your process of writing? I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of both. I feel okay, like I, I have bullet points that I have to do and whatever comes in between is often up to the characters. I think you need to allow your characters to have some say because once you have fully developed characters that, you know, they're going to have opinions <laughs> and the there needs to be there needs to be room for that in the writing. I can't just be like, but this has, you know, but I wanted this to happen. Well, sometimes it doesn't matter what I wanted <laughs> because the story takes shape. So I would say definitely both. I mean, I think that's probably a majority of people is they are a combination yeah. of both. Some kind of lean heavier towards one or the other. But the reason I was asking is when it comes down to trying to pinpoint and ensure that you've captured the emotional truth necessary for your story. Did you have to pre-plan a lot of that? Or did you find once you reach a, a specific mindset in your writing that those just came out naturally as you wrote? I think it, it depends on the book. So um, sure. the trilogy I have, it's the Legacy of Debris trilogy. And book one is called Republic of Ruin. 
and it's a Cinderella retelling. And I'd always said I was never going to do a Cinderella retelling. There are too many, and a lot of them tend to bother me. And I was like, okay, well, why do they bother me? I said, well, the reason they bother me is because they ignore the emotional truth. There's not, there's, there's a lack of emotional truth in so many of them because Cinderella at its core is a story of loss. You have this girl who's lost her mother. She loses her father. And then she endures physical and emotional abuse at the hands of her stepmother and stepsisters. And then somehow she's emotionally healthy enough to get into a wonderful relationship with a man who's in a completely different social. I mean, his, his cultural background, his social background, everything is completely different and they have no issues whatsoever and live happily ever after that lacks emotional truth and it can be entertaining and it's fun for like younger children. But when I read a lot of stories where the storyline follows that I get annoyed. So I thought, you know, instead of uh, being annoyed with these stories, why don't I write what I want to read? And so I knew that at its core, what I was going to write is kind of a more grim version of Cinderella, because I want to address the fact that I need my Cinderella character to have some emotional damage and not at my hands, but because that is the story at its core. And so then I thought, okay, well, what's a good setting for that? Well, a post-apocalyptic world, because then everyone's dealing with loss and everyone has, has these sorrows. And then the setting is different enough. So then it became a science fiction because I didn't want magical solutions. I don't want her to magically be healthy. I don't want some fairy godmother to come in and fix things. I want to see her process these losses and this grief and the guilt that often comes along with loss. And I want that to kind of guide the way, but I don't want to do it too heavy handed. I don't want it to read like, you know, like a self-help book. (laughs) I want it to be entertaining. I want readers to laugh, but also to see that you can't, that it's not realistic. And I know that it's funny to say that's not realistic in, in the context of fiction, but we want to follow the rules of the world that we've set up. Yep. And it, it bothers me if you're breaking the rules that you already established within the world. And so if we're dealing with humans, I want their emotional growth to follow what is normal for humans. So I, I have a Cinderella who addresses you know those issues of, of loss and grief and guilt. And it does come into play. Uh, there is some romance. It's, I would say it's more of an action adventure story, but her, you know, challenges with loss and grief and guilt come, it, you know, it causes some conflict with the romantic interest because it should, because that's realistic. Mm-hmm. So I guess in this situation, I, uh, it, it sort of all came together big picture first, where I was like, these are the themes I want. And I've never done that before with a book where I said, these are the themes I want in the story before I had a lot of the plot. But with the retelling, you, you know, the plot is, is already kind of there in a lot of ways. You just substitute in what makes more sense for your world. And then you've got to add enough twists and turns to keep readers surprised and on their toes. So, <laughs> And I, I'm going to go ahead and put this caveat in here. It's a good caveat that I have actually read your book so I can understand a lot <laughs> of what you're saying. I've read the first book. I haven't read the, the other parts of the series. I still want to. But yeah, so I, I, I'm remembering the things that I felt and imagined as I was reading it. And I appreciate, like you said, there's just that aspect of, yeah, this feels real, even though I know logistically it's not. Like mentally, this is not a real story. This didn't happen or isn't happening. Um, but the more real it feels to the reader, it's just that much more impactful to them. Not only does it draw them in, but it's it's kind of what knocks a book from, hey, that was entertaining too. Well, that was really good, right? I it elicits cert, it elicited certain emotions in me as I read it. Um, 
And that's the type of stuff that we should be looking for and trying to make it as realistic as possible. Um, I was actually thinking about this recently because I've been reading, I try and read as many books as I can, but I've just been identifying, I've been really analyzing the books that I've read and where it bothers me. There's just a lot of instances of like, well, that that doesn't seem real, which once again, ironic, but it just doesn't seem like that character as I understand them would behave that way. Or it doesn't, they wouldn't interpret a situation that way based on the way I understand it and the fact that they're human or they're whatever race. And when I run into those issues, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'm entertained by the story, but it just feels a little bit disjointed to me. So these are the types of things that as as authors, it's really important to think about. Right. The the emotional truth, how realistic or genuine, I think maybe is the better word for it, how genuine it feels um, for both the characters and the reader as certain things happen. So did you feel like you had to enhance your editing process for all of these books because of you wanting to pinpoint the emotional truths? Um, and how did you go about editing it to make sure that it was working out? I felt like with the with the editing process. Um... It was definitely different because I, I was going for a certain feel and you have to balance action with, you know, obviously some internal dialogue and, and interior struggles along with obvious conflict. Like I want there to be war scenes, but I also want her to have times where she's having an, you know a war within herself. And what the hardest part of editing was that I had to be very vulnerable, like you said, also being genuine as I wrote and as I edited. Um, and sometimes... I don't think readers necessarily realize, I certainly didn't as a reader before I was a writer, realize that there is so much that goes into writing a book emotionally, not just because you become attached to the characters, but because in order for me to write emotional truths, I have to find that feeling within myself. I have to go back to a time when I felt that way and it's very vulnerable. So for me, uh, part of the reason I wanted to write about loss is because I had experienced um, some significant losses and I was trying to figure out what to do about it. And then I realized that I was so annoyed that it made me more annoyed when Cinderella didn't have issues because I was like, she's had all these losses. And um, so I've had two little nieces pass away. Mm -hmm. uh, one was a week old and one was six months old. And I had to remind myself some of those really difficult feelings, some of those thoughts of, of grief and of guilt and being like, but but were these preventable or what could we have done and how do you live? And then, and then feeling guilty during happy moments. And so, you know, if there are happy scenes in the book, sometimes the main character is like, I'm not allowed to be happy right now because sad things have happened. You know, she's mm -hmm. like, my dad is gone. I shouldn't be celebrating. How, why are people having a party and having a cake and dancing to music when, you know, this is a post-apocalyptic world. And so there's that balance. And so for me, the hardest part of editing was really just digging deep to find those emotions within myself and being vulnerable enough to write about them, even though I'm not saying me, Laura, I feel this way, but even putting it on my character, that was often very difficult. And sometimes it slowed my writing because I was like, I need a break. This is, this is too much like therapy. <laughs> I mean, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I never, never <laughs> thought about that. Because, yeah, as I've been writing as well, I have tapped emotions historically, uh, you know, things that I've experienced. Be like, well, how would I behave or how would, you know, what might be some things that I think were say when I'm feeling this way? But, yeah, I can imagine that's so challenging. And it's fun. It's interesting. I want to say funny. It's interesting that that people that are reading it 
would not even recognize necessarily one that you went through those challenging things, but two that you had to, or you chose to tap into those feelings to feel like you could properly write it so that it comes off the right way. Um, and I can imagine that's, I, I have had instances where I'm writing and you just feel the intense emotion. You're like, Oh man, I'm way sadder than I expected to feel when getting to this point in the book or, you know, stress, I feel way more stressed than I expected to, but it just kind of causes those emotions for you. So um, as you're moving along with the characters, are you, do you ever feel like you have to take a pause and identify those situations in your life where you felt whatever way it is you were targeting, or did it just kind of come naturally because as you're writing, you've kind of tapped into your emotional history or emotional memory so that it just kind of moves along with the story naturally. I mean, I, I think that I put maybe too much of myself in my characters. Sure. I've had other writers tell me um, to do less of myself, but Interesting. honestly, that's, that's different than what I learned um, going through, you know, some programs when I was getting my degree was actually the more you base it on, on truth, the more compelling your fiction is going to be. And so, I mean, that's the reason I said it in Texas is because I've lived in Texas and, you know, you can't, you can't experience everything that you're going to write about, but I think the more you can base it on truth, the better. And so it's just had to find this balance of disconnecting myself enough that I can write the book and not have it be some, you know, heavy handed journal entry, but where Mm -hmm. it can be an engaging, entertaining fictional story about Cinderella that has enough emotional truth that um, it gives you something to think about. Uh, something that has has bothered me is sometimes people say, oh, fiction, that's like cotton candy, whereas nonfiction is meat and potatoes. And I was like, I don't know why you have to insult fiction in this process, because I think that well-written fiction should be a well-rounded meal. You know, you should get meat and potatoes and you should also get dessert. Like, I don't want to eat a steak all by itself. I want sides. I want dessert. (laughs) And if I don't get those things, then to me, that's not a meal. So what makes a good story to me is is a little bit of all of that. So I guess my challenge, you know, again, with the challenge of editing was making it not too heavy handed. I don't want readers to sob themselves to sleep at night or anything like I would rather mm-hmm. end on happy notes. And so just finding that balance. And I think that I that I got it to the point where it's, you know, as as good as as it could have been. I'm very thrilled with the result. I had one reader email me and she said, you know, I'm sorry if this is a personal question. You don't have to answer me. But I wondered if you lost your dad because the way mm. you write that scene made me think that you had because I've lost mine and you nailed it. <laughs> and I was like, that is, you know, this very high praise. And it's, I'm, you know, it's not a spoiler. Cinderella loses her dad. This, this, is, a yeah, no, right. this is a no-brainer. <laughs> don't think I'm getting, no I'm not going to give spoilers to my own book. I worked way too hard to reveal things in the order that I did. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, you know, I felt like, that was very high praise because it was reassurance that I had written it in a compelling way that dealt with emotional truth. And I think sometimes people frame, instead of saying emotional truth, they say it should be relatable, make your characters relatable, but I don't Mm. think they need to be relatable as much as they need to be compelling. And I think what makes them compelling is if they have real complex human emotions, you can make a villain who does heinous things uh, deal with emotional truths. But that doesn't mean he's relatable. It doesn't mean you're like, oh, I relate so much to this horrible villain. No, absolutely not. But you can still appreciate the character for who he is. I don't relate to Loki, but I, I love him as a character. I don't relate to Moriarty, but what a fantastic villain. And I think what makes 
good heroes and good villains is when you make them genuine, relatable. If by relatable, you mean, oh, they experience the same human emotions that I do, even if for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring that up because, like, you know, I can I, writing the third book of the Library Chronicles, which I'm about to publish next month. Um, I definitely which I pre-ordered, by the way. Oh well, thank you. I'm very excited for it. So <laughs> that's great. I, I definitely went through a lot of those journeys with because it's a multi POV, so it's from three different perspectives. And there's one a lot that goes on, but two, the emotional journey of all the different characters, even the villain is so complex and i've had a lot of people get to the end of you know the arc readers and the beta readers would get to the end of ascendant and they're like i did not expect to like and hate the villain so much like at the same time because you just know they're going through so much and you're like you feel bad at the same time you're like but i don't i shouldn't feel bad anyways that's the type of feedback you want again it's you know well, here's the thing to readers as well. Authors like us like to hear from you, right? Like it's not just reviews. We like to hear c- kind of confirmations of what you you felt or what you experienced while you read it. That's not only gratifying, but also just like encouraging. Be like, okay, good. I'm on the right track, right? As authors, we are hitting the points that we're hoping to um, as we're trying to bring out these emotional truths. So um it's such a complex topic, but when did you learn that um, being, um, how do I say this, being vulnerable as an author um, was what you needed to kind of get to that point? Because I think it probably depends on the person. Some people may need to be more or less vulnerable as they're writing, but when did you identify, okay, this is what the missing piece is to hitting these emotional truths? Was it with just your most recent series or did you realize it halfway between your previous books and now? Um, I mean, there's definitely, it's definitely absent in my previous books. (laughs) Uh, I think that's part of the reason that I am not as proud of them as uh, I otherwise would have been. But honestly, I think I learned it more um, as I learned that vulnerability is also a key life skill for making friends and connecting with people face to face. And Mm -hmm. That can be difficult. Um, my husband's in the army, so I've moved 16 times in the last wow. 11 years, and I don't get a lot of time to make friends. So sometimes I try to rush the process, and it's not a process that can be rushed very easily um, or very often, unfortunately. But I have learned that being genuine and being vulnerable is, is the best way to make those connections and to make meaningful connections. And once I realized that that was key to relationships, I also realized that was key with characters and, and in stories. And um, I think that moving a lot and meeting a lot of people has also really blessed me as an author because I've been able to meet so many different people and live in so many different situations and experience different cultures and subcultures. And it has taught me that there are some things that are kind of universal <laughs> mm-hmm. and some things that are not. And And one of those things that's universal is just how like being disingenuous is not going to get you anywhere, <laughs> whether it's in a book or whether it's face to face. And so you have to take the jump, the leap and and open up, you know, open up yourself and, and your characters. And it makes I, I feel like it adds a layer to writing the same way that it can bring you closer to people in real life. 
Absolutely. It, it, relating it to that makes absolute sense, something I didn't think about, but it does make sense. The relatability aspect does need to kind of come from the heart. And so the vulnerability is the key to that. It sounds so cheesy, like saying it that way, 100%, but it's, it's just the <laughs> truth, right? Um, and, and when we look at it that way, I think it can also enhance the writing. It's it's interesting to hear different people's perspectives about the writing part. Some people are stressed by the actual writing part, um, but it's something that I, I'm never stressed by, right? Because it's just this kind of, it opens up my mind, it opens up my emotions, and it's just a very liberating, exciting experience. Um, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I just love the writing aspect because I it's just exciting and it's satisfying to me, but coming at it from that approach, I think helps reach that point, um, that satisfaction with the writing. So, um, I guess what, what is your plan to, do you continue, do you plan to continue writing this science fiction kind of YA stuff? Do you plan to delve into some more complicated, like, I don't know, paranormal psychological type stuff in the future? Are you kind of hoping to um, stay within the same area and just unlock, you know, more of those emotional truths with different stories and characters. Um, so yesterday I was at the store and I saw this book and it said 300 writing prompts. And I said, that is one thing I do not need because <laughs> I have so many ideas and there's just not enough time to do them. So, I mean, I have, um, an idea for a trilogy that's more paranormal that I, nice. I want to write. I think it sounds really fun. Um, I'm currently working on another um, young adult science fiction and it deals with um, it. It deals with emotional truths. That was, that was really important to me. So if I'd say, you know, if, if I say Republic of Ruin deals with, with grief and loss and the guilt with that, um, then the main things that my new trilogy, it's tentatively titled the preemptive initiative deals with is the relationship between hope and fear. And so I have a main character. He's pretty sardonic. And he's like, hope is the hand that leads you from the light into the darkness. And it beats you up there. No one can see you. Hope is the hand that lifts you up and then drops you, you know, and you, you go plummeting from horrible heights because every time you allow yourself to hope, you set yourself up for disappointment. And so it's this character and, um, and his journey from realizing what is the point of hope, you know, why, why bother hoping and, and, you know, it's doubts kind of dark, but that's, you know, that's dystopian for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that's a relationship that I've explored myself because um, as someone who's dealt with infertility, there were times when I was like, do I dare hope that, that this month will work? Do I dare hope that this IVF cycle will work? Because every time I allow myself to really hope, then I, you know, I'm picking out names and trying to decorate a nursery only to have it not happen again. So then, it, so that I did have to dig in to myself again and say, I'm going to be vulnerable about these feelings, but I'm going to put them on a, on a prisoner I'm going to put him on a 17-year-old inmate who's basically on death row because of crimes his parents committed, where he doesn't see hope for his future, um, but he wants to. He wants to have hope in his future, but he's also kind of trying to protect himself. So I, I love science fiction. I love the possibility within it, but I love all speculative fiction. I, I have ideas for fantasy books, and um, I guess we'll just see. I, <laughs> I hope to write all of my book ideas, but every time I write one, I get 10 more ideas so but that's that's true though i feel like the <laughs> ideas just come and i don't know if it's just like cruel punishment by our brains or just it probably is just you know when you're unlocking one part of your creative mind it just causes more to flood in the, the one piece that's, that i'm not great at is actually writing those ideas down 
but we won't get into that. My, <laughs> my organization skills are terrible. Um, we all have things to work on. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I've somehow survived this long as an adult. So, um, but I think that that's really, it's interesting because when, when a lot of people hear about emotions or think about emotions, a lot of the, the main ones come to mind, like, you know, grief or um, anger, happiness, elation, those types of things. But it, emotion is just so complex hearing the, your idea or what you're working on now um, and just how complex the human emotion and mind can be. Um, it's it's good because that's the way it should be treated. It is very complex. There's a lot of different facets to it. It's, there's lots of ups and downs. And putting that in your books is going to make it feel realistic and exciting and uh, not necessarily, we'll, we'll use the word relatable for lack of a different right. <laughs> uh, to, to the people that are, that are reading it. So um, do you, and this is just kind of a, a curiosity question, but do you find that because you have such a grounding in wanting emotional truths to be evident and present in your books, do you find that you aren't as satisfied when reading other books if they don't hit those points for you? Do you find that it, you know, you're, you analyze other books in that way as you're reading them? Unfortunately, yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like um, something I've said to a few people is it's sad because you get this little, you, know, you think about a little kid who loves magic. He's just obsessed with magic. So what does he do? He grows up to be a magician. And what happens, there's no more magic. Like mm -hmm. nothing is ever going to impress him now because he can't, he's not going to go to a, a magic show and be like, wow, that was really cool. He's going to be like, oh, man, I know how everything was done. Yeah. And at the same time, though, he gets to share what he loves, what brought him so much joy with other people. And so it's kind of like you take one for the team <laughs> because yeah. I feel like I love books and I grew up with such a love of books. But the more time I've spent writing and, and analyzing stories, there are just oftentimes when I'm reading a book and I'm like, man, if I wasn't so picky about this, I could have really loved this book. Yeah. And instead I'm irritated. And I'm like, well, I guess when you really love something, sometimes it does lose a little bit of the magic, but that's because you're learning how to be a magician yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I just remind myself of that. And I said, you know what? It's not, I don't have to be disappointed and I don't have to feel, you know, sometimes I'm like, why am I this way? Am I some like hoity toity reader where I have these, <laughs> you know, but I, I think I love all books. I just, I feel like I've learned to identify the difference. I mean, I, the same way I can appreciate a Twinkie and I can also appreciate a homemade peach cobbler with peaches grown from your grandma's orchard. Yeah. And I know which one was made by an artist and which one was manufactured on a, <laughs> you know, you know, mm -hmm. by a facility, but I can still enjoy both. <laughs> so like, I like all kinds of books, but I do feel like sometimes I, I'm like, wanted to edit them myself and be like but if this but but your character wouldn't have done that i yeah. mean i did it most recently with harry potter i feel very strongly that he would not have been an r his whole his whole thing was being frustrated that uh he was constantly being chased by dark wizards and people were trying to kill him and his the whole series he complains about that there's no way that he goes on <laughs> mm -hmm. to do that as his career and he says so many times that hogwarts is his home i'm telling you he went back and he was defense against the dark arts teacher. Like there's no way that he didn't do that. And it's not often that I want to sit down and be like, here's why you were wrong author, because I never want someone to do that to me. Yep. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe you were rushed at the end. You know, you had so many fans waiting. You just had to hurry and type something, but he, Hogwarts was his home. He should have been there. And, and I'm like, you know, other people just let books be. They don't, 
try to fix them after they're published. So I also kind of try to show some restraint. Uh, it's not just you though. It's, I've noticed it more recently. I think it it comes out often more when I'm editing. But I was just reflecting on this in the past, honestly, couple of weeks because I've read not I, I haven't read as many as some other people, but I've read like 20, 25 books this year, um, which is good for the amount of time I have to That's read. Fantastic, yes. But, <laughs> but and I'm just like, can I even think of one where I got to the end? I was like, oh, that was so satisfying. Like, I don't know if I can. And it's not because I don't enjoy them. I did enjoy them. I just remember getting to the end. And uh, a lot of the times I could just think about I didn't like that part or that character wouldn't have acted that way or X, X and X. And I think it's just because I'm trying, I'm looking at it from my, with my writer brain. And I'm just like, oh, this is how I would modify it as I'm learning and editing it. I try to edit it in my brain. And so I do enjoy it. I love the books. I would recommend them and I would speak very highly of them, but you're just missing that kind of, you know, that, that that factor of when I was younger, where I would just read all night because I couldn't put the book down because I was just like so into it. And when I got to the end, I was just like, oh, that was like an amazing journey because I'm just flubbed up by wanting it right. to be better. <laughs> I just wish you could turn off the odd, like that author switch yeah. sometimes. Be like, I'm not doing this right now. I just want to read it. Like, just let me read the book. <laughs> yep. Maybe I'll figure out how to flip the switch off. But right now I haven't been able to figure that out. If so. you do, be sure to let me know. <laughs> If I, I will share whatever secret if I figure it out. But uh, this is an amazing topic. And honestly, we could probably talk on and on, but we are running out of time. So before we, uh, we, and I always like to ask the author, where can people find more information about you and your books? If they want to buy them. All right. So uh, um, Amazon, you can find my books. It's the Legacy of Debris trilogy. Uh, book one is Republic of Ruin. Like you said, it's a Cinderella retelling. Book two is Shattered State. It's a Snow White retelling. And book three is Crimson Nation. It's Red Riding Hood retelling. And it's three different points of view, kind of like you were saying with yours. And they mm. they all kind of, I had to braid the stories together at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to book two personally. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I really like book two. Um, and book three is great too. Obviously, you got to finish it. But but book two is, I don't know. I Maybe it's just because of the memories I have associated with the emotional truths that I discuss in book two. I don't know. Mm, um, yeah. I have a website. It's lblazehughes.com and you can get my newsletter there. Sometimes I share snippets of unpublished works. Uh, I also, that's where I announce giveaways or uh, when I'm looking for beta readers, I often pull from people who subscribe to my newsletter. And I'm also on TikTok. Sometimes I don't know if I should tell people that, but <laughs> I'm on TikTok. You just did. <laughs> and uh, often it's writing stuff. I would say most of the time it's it's book related and occasionally it's not. And I just have fun with it. So you can find me there. I'm also on Instagram, but I'm, I'm not as active on there. There's only so much time in a day and I actually want to write as well as post on social media. So I'm trying to find a balance. <laughs> no, it's not just you. Yeah, I'm, I've found that I've <laughs> fallen off of Instagram and Facebook a little bit. So definitely not just you but yeah i appreciate the time and uh thanks so much yeah thank you so much dan i really appreciate it i hope you found that helpful it was really insightful for me because i think i i unintentionally dropped emotional truths into uh, the Light Bearer Chronicles. I don't know if it as much in in Sunfire, but there's a lot that goes on with the characters. We don't have to go into detail, but this is just another one of those conversations where I talk to people who are really trained or have a lot of experience with writing or education in uh, something like creative writing. They talk about all of these these really smart tactics or important tactics when writing. I'm like, oh, I kind of did that. 
but I didn't plan on it. Like, I didn't mean to do that. It's just interesting the way the complexity of the human mind particularly for authors and what we are able to produce. Because, yeah, I just think about the stories that I've created and how I'm a discovery writer or pantser. And at the end of Ascended, I thought, well, this is really strange. Like, how did I possibly put this together without much of a plan at all? In in any case, I think it's, it's a really insightful thing. Making the books emotionally connective for readers can be a huge game changer if you're trying to find an, a readership or, a, or at least a, a group of people to read your stuff. So um, really insightful. I hope you enjoyed this. And of course, I'll look forward to chatting with you next week.